0: This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with comedian and actor Dan Frigolette. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website, Adult Site Broker 3.0 at adultsitebroker.com. The look and feel of the new site is nice and up-to-date and easier to navigate. The new site also has links to our affiliate program, ASB Cash, and our new blog. Speaking of ASB Cash, we've doubled our affiliate payouts. That's right. Now when you refer sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. ASB Cash is the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale a profitable industry-recognized dating network with a unique channel for genuine female adult dating traffic. The company was launched in 2010 and has won multiple awards. They've generated nearly 200,000 profiles of real women and continue to add about 5,500 new women each month. These women have created sexy profiles and uploaded photos to attract men, and most have supplied a government ID. These profiles can be imported into any dating or cam network. The network's traffic is 91% direct and 8% organic. They've never marketed to their list outside their own network, so this is a huge opportunity for anyone interested in marketing similar dating offers or other adult content. Their main developer is available to stay on as a contractor. Only $372,000 U.S. dollars. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is comedian and actor Dan Frigellet. Dan, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk.
1: Hey, what's going on, man? Um, thank you for having me again.
0: Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we we started, and uh, ZenCaster, my uh, recording platform, had a little bit of a glitch, so we're starting over. I feel
1: like it was right? me. I feel like I've, I always feel like I'm the glitch. No, no,
0: no, like... no, no, no. It wasn't you. It was me. Did you,
1: just, okay. did you see the Did you see the movie Lock on Disney yet? No. Character on there. The pre- the premise of the whole thing is that there's good good luck and bad luck. There's a character on there that's like has only bad luck. Right now, <laughs> that's me. So I think. Everything that goes wrong right now between what's going on is me. It's my fault completely, one hundred percent.
0: Okay, I'll blame a you. Full then. responsibility. Okay, it's all your fault. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's tell everyone about you. Now, Dan's a stand-up comic and actor who's been seen on the Bob and Tom Show, HBO's Boardwalk Empire, Show Me a Hero, Younger, Sexy Beasts, or Younger Sexy Beasts. No, those are two different things. The following: The Wendy Williams Show and the Artie Lang Show. He's the executive producer of The Apartment Ship. Dan has played numerous venues and comedy festivals around the country. He got his start in Syracuse, New York, and now he's a New York City Circuit regular. Dan finds joy in traveling the country to small towns to entertain people. He travels the country with his pit pitmation, Tess, raising money for various animal charities and rubbing people's bellies. His first comedy album, Naked and Amused, Comedy at a Nudist Colony, came out in late 2017. Dan also has quite a footprint in adult. He hosted the Inked Awards in 2019, and he hosts the Sexy People podcast, formerly Porn Stars or People. On the podcast, Dan hosts sex-positive icons in order to destigmatize and normalize sexuality, gender, and feeling comfortable with the human body. Adult film stars talk relationships, politics, art, animals, friends, family, travel, and have a lot of fun doing it, all without talking a lot about porn. The Sexy People podcast hopes to humanize comedians, adult stars, and listeners alike to see that life is not just about labels, judgments, and critiques. So Dan, first off, let's talk about the podcast. Why did you originally start doing it?
1: I'm so excited! That intro is incredible, and hearing it twice is incredible. Each time you do my intro, I like stand in the corner like I just scored a touchdown with two fingers in the
0: air. Yeah, well, if you want to, if you want to take me on the road with you, uh, I, can, <laughs> I can do. I can do all your. I can do all your introductions, or you, or you can just or you can just buy the tape.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean yeah and then just play it no i want the live guy okay, um, the, okay all, the, yeah. all the guys on uh on like uh like what's the who's the guy who introduced bob barker and who's the guy who introduced alex treback those yeah. guys those are big deal guys i need oh, i, I need that i need I one of those and just in studio and that's all you do <laughs> you just intro me and then you can fuck off and you made money um I love it
0: does it pay this, well
1: <laughs> it's got to pay well that's the whole thing we're going for is hopefully okay. that i can uh make got a it. career out of this thing got it uh sexy people podcast i don't know man you you kind of nailed it. it it was called porn stars are people i was having trouble with censorship and everywhere in on the internet that Talk wants porn that. to be a Talk bad word that. they want yeah. porn to be a bad word right and so Yeah. Okay. I was running a, a show called "Porn Stars Are People," and I was running a show called "Porn Stars Are Comedians," a live event at the various uh, sex fairs in the U.S. and uh, and porn conventions. Right, and I would get a flag on event calendars that said the word "porn" was a uh, was profanity, and that blew my mind. And yeah. having porn, being near porn, uh, going to AVN has always gotten me flagged on Instagram. So it's mm-hmm. it's just. It's like the opposite of clickbait. It's like advertising kryptonite. Right. And so Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube have been flagging me nonstop. And so I came and I changed the name to Sexy People Podcast. Same from podcast, but what's also crazy Mm -hmm. is in the amount of time that I've been doing the podcast, the phrase porn star has become null and void. Hmm. So whereas when I started, there was people that would literally walk in the room and be like, you goddamn right, I'm a porn star. Hmm. Now everybody's kind of like, no, I'm like, and we've like really taken on this sex worker title and we've really mm-hmm. taken on, um, the, you know, like cam artist or like content creator. creator, right? Yeah, And that's more important than like saying porn star. Right. And so I have to change with the time. So I'm trying to do that.
0: hmm
1: Yeah. And there's so many attacks, so
0: many attacks uh, to the adult industry. And yeah. um, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Talk a bit about the adult entertainment industry. It's really rare to find someone outside the business, spend t- so much time and effort promoting and normalizing it, while also having a great understanding of what we do. How do you feel like you came to this point?
1: Well, I'm a dirty little slut, and I always wanted to like <laughs> reconcile some of those feelings and those emotions. And and, and even like, now I'm in therapy, I'm realizing that like a lot of my sexual behavior might be compulsive or like a stress relief and all these sorts of things. So, like even the like holistic—I don't know what better word I want. Like the healthy aspects of sex and masturbation, are even things that are like looked down upon. Yep. And porn for me has always been sort of a a, 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 mas- a masturbatory like like add-on. So my the starting point is I need to come, and the finishing point is I need some some help and some aid. And porn's always been there for me. Porn always delivers right and so Mm -hmm. that's where it came in for me and so the other thing that i found really interesting once i first initially had the idea to do this thing was was i started listening to other podcasts that had porn stars on and i and i realized the amount of disrespect Mm -hmm. that porn stars and sex workers were getting on podcasts they're either brought on to to be a one-trick pony uh tell me about giant dicks or they're literally like treated like their opinion doesn't matter unless we're talking about swallowing cock Hmm. and i hated that um and what i've learned from having the podcast is that um especially in today's day and age um the bts And the the like knowledge of the performer informs the fantasy that people are paying for. And so if the fantasy is about the actual person, right, if I actually like want Janice Griffith to be my girlfriend in my head, knowing as much about her as possible is really important to me. And that's the Mm -hmm. thing I'm going to come about and for and to. Hmm. And so there's a place where my podcast fills that gap a little bit. We're like, we get to learn interesting, weird facts. Yeah. Um, like that Lexi Luna is a grammar Nazi. And I think that's really <laughs> fun.
0: You, you, do you anticipate that people are whacking off to your podcast?
1: That You know, th- this is a great question. So in my head, it's no, right? But uh-huh. then... But then when I look at the data and find out how long people are listening, I found out that yes, because people are sometimes people are listening to an amount that doesn't make sense unless they just came. Right. So I think I think what happens, I think people find my podcast in a search for the person that they want to make them come. Yep. Aesthetically. And they listen to the podcast for a little bit and they either stay because they've enjoyed what they've heard or right. they go away. And and so what I hoped to do was to was to get the guy who wanted to come to Natalie Knight and retain them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've done that. And I don't know where the fan base comes from, but I but I hope it's I hope it's that safe space where where people are enjoying what they're hearing and they want to hear more and they want to find out about the sure. other guests. But what I do find a little bit in the trolley YouTube comments is it's mostly somebody came to see Kimmy Kaboom and Mm. then they don't like that. I'm even there. And that's, those are hilarious (laughs) listeners.
0: I love it. So the adult industry is under a massive attack by the religious right. Like we've never seen before in our history. They're going after the credit card companies they are trying to shut off our sources of revenue. Give me your thoughts on that. It
1: makes sense. This all makes sense to me now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was happening like that. I, I would mm-hmm. I would actually like some more background from you. But what I do know for sure is Well, you did you hear
0: it. well, did I mean, did you hear that MasterCard um, shut down Pornhub?
1: No. Yeah. Recently. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. So I yeah. knew the thing that hit me the hardest was OnlyFans trying to pull their their policy on on uh, on explicit Adult. content. Mm-hmm. And then them backing off because yes. they're like, oh shit. But I understood <laughs> yes. a, a piece that maybe some other people didn't understand, which is the reason why they were doing that was because they went to investors and investors, just like the mm-hmm. people who don't want my podcast to be called Porn Stars Are People. right? Um, they went to investors and the investors were like, I can't give you money. And they're like, why? This is a, a, what, a $5 billion industry? And they're like, yeah, but et cetera, whatever the et cetera is. And there's a thousand et cetera. And it's all based in the idea that – and. It's a good understanding. This is starting point. Is well, the Bible says, "You're not supposed to." Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to. The longer our country exists, late. Well, that's not true. Let's let's rephrase. Lately, we are more evangelical than ever. I never would have predicted that. I thought we were doing a good job. Even just being in this podcast, I thought we were doing a good job of moving away from mm-hmm. like religious fanaticism. Yeah, um, but we're not. And, and no. the last. Uh, administration really did a, a number on on digging us deeper into uh, ideas that I thought we all decided were silly.
0: Yeah. I think it would behoove you with your podcast as a I love when somebody drops a behoove on me. <laughs> to explore that just a tad bit more. I know it's a, yeah. a little bit off topic, but there are organizations that are – really going after adult and they're being successful and they're getting yeah. a lot of funding because of the religious right
1: and, and, and i wish we as an organization like a group of people not an organization but i wish we were uh stronger and binding together to mm-hmm. become a superpower against that the amount of money that this industry makes mm-hmm. we should figure out a way to well, combat there, this thing yeah
0: i mean there are there's the free speech coalition that is uh, the legislative arm and they've had they've had their successes okay but when when it's uh when it's a wave of attacks it's very very difficult to stop and right now that's where the industry's at i don't think it's ever been this bad
1: yeah i mean well arguably it was you know, uh, uh you know, uh, like all the transition points, it was this bad. You know, Hustler's mm-hmm. transition point, this bad. Right. Playboy's transition point, this bad. When every time where we there's like a little bit of a change and a and a chunk of progress, somehow they find a way to try to scale us back. And obviously, at a period of time when my country wants to repeal Roe v. Wade, of course, anything that could Huge. be like sex sex-based um what's what's the big word prurient um yeah. obscene mm-hmm. Any of these things they want to be redefined right um yeah, it's also and, and- a horrible time apparently it, w- w- it would be for comedy because it's the same it's, oh, yeah. one, it's well, part of the same idea it's this freedom of 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 expression yes is the thing that we're attacking yes and yeah, I'll talk. The well, fact that I, I do talk I actually Yeah,
0: I do I actually do have some do have some questions about that Please. for you for you as well because freedom of expression, the First Amendment, all of that is under under major attack, and it all seems to be coming from the same place. So
1: well, no, not not necessarily the same place. That's not are you finding not, that in other countries? Are you finding that in places that you do business? That that's oh, also a world, problem?
0: oh it's worldwide. No, it's it is. worldwide. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How is, the um, church?
1: How is the church so organized? That's my question.
0: Uh, it's not just the church, unfortunately. It's not just the church. Why don't we jump into that, okay? Yeah, please. You know, let, as you said, not only has a t- adult been under attack, but comedy's been attacked a lot, especially by like the woke police, whether it's Chris yes. Rock getting slapped for telling a joke or Dave right. Chappelle being attacked on stage or even the president of the United States, such as he was. Calling Bill Maher, calling him out. Comics are being assaulted both physically and in the media. How do you deal with this as a comic?
1: Well, we're that's not like this is what this this, this is the best way to explain it. It's not uncommon for us. Like the idea that like you might get hunched for a joke has always existed. Like there's all these great mm-hmm. stories for comedians that are big now. Jim Gaffigan, I'm mm-hmm. just like he was on stage. Somebody's doing a thing. They're heckling. He's six four. He's always been two hundred and twenty pounds. He walked oh, off shit. stage and he started punching a guy. Like, like oh, no. it's not like there's never really been a good bouncer culture to our thing. And and at yeah. baseline comedy is eight people in a basement right so like that you gotta understand it's like right you know it's just just like just like porn is like it's it's two people in a camera which hilariously like that's one of the main selling points now but like that's the that's all you need right Right. and so for comedy you need a mic and a couple people and that's dangerous and so comedians we've always had to like figure out how to like and even as a child it's one of the reasons i am a comedian i Mm -hmm. had tumultuous relationships as a child so like my whole my whole like sense of being was how do I make somebody laugh before they punch me? Who? Like that's it. How do I, how do I make this person laugh? So I don't get hit. And that's Shit. kind of like what it is. And that's why I thought it was crazy actually about the Chris rock thing. And this is all I'll say about this. Cause everybody it's, it's been exhausted. The, the big the time. Ideas. Yeah. But, I know nobody
0: wants like, to hear about it, but, I don't understand. but it exists.
1: How Chris Rock, while Will Smith is walking up to stage, while he's not just peppering him with more and more insults, like if you're walking on stage and you're coming for me and I know you're coming for me, maybe I don't think because it's the Oscars I'm going to get hit. um, But that's silly um, because a person's a person and hitting can happen no matter what is going on. So I'm going to pepper him until there's there's nothing left of that person by the time they get to the stage like he did and, have a chance he did have a chance he didn't say anything he like he just he backed off and he and it's like the the damage was done so he got hit so he should have just kept he could should have kept going kept going pop oh, yeah. pop pop pop, pop he's certainly, he certainly
0: he's certainly capable
1: <laughs> yeah and just assault his character man this is somebody who's coming for you this is coming for your profession coming for your uh for for your for the microphone more than anything else this is what you yeah. value the most is being right. able to speak and they're coming for that maybe he just takes yeah. the mic right my favorite yeah. thing to do and this is and this is a good way to bridge the conversation when i'm met with like aggression and male mm. aggression like as if a a a person in the audience is going to like run on stage and beat me up I meet that aggression with uh, their homophobia. So like I had a guy once and he was like, he like got up and he was like, oh, you want to go outside and all this? Cause I'm like telling a joke about him. Maybe I'm doing a riff about what's going on, whatever, whatever. Maybe it's about him. And he said, want to go outside. And then, so I made it about, he wants to go outside so we can make out. I was like, sir, if you want to make out, we can do it right here. We don't got to go outside and get all private. <laughs> and, and that, that thing deaded his because because oh, now he doesn't know. So that it stopped him in his tracks. Right, and it got the laugh, and that's what it is. We're sure. here. To, I'm here to survive, yeah. and I built up a skill that has <laughs> a, a a real place in in the world. And and, and at baseline survival, um, right. how do I not get hit in the face? <laughs> make him make him think one of us is gay, and we don't know which one it is. <laughs> what do people that want to punch dudes in the face hate the most? Oh, yeah, yeah. Two men okay. kissing. Oh, sure. <laughs> Abs-
0: absolutely. And by the way, you mentioned Roe v. Wade and porn. LGBTQ plus rights are all tied in as well. That's and gay marriage is is now crazy. in danger.
1: We're going to pull gay marriage. We're going to pull all of this stuff. We're going to make
0: porn illegal. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all rolled together. So we're worried when we hear about Roe v. Wade, it definitely impacts this industry. Yeah, yeah. And it, it impacts comedy, because what's next? What right, what right is next? That's the question. It, and and what, it is, What's and the it, next thing they're gonna take away?
1: It is, it's about freedom of speech. So a, a, a thing that a lot of people don't understand is that uh, places without freedom of speech, stand-up comedy is illegal. So so uh, yeah. South Africa, for example. Right. South Africa did not have freedom of speech until 1994, I believe. That means that stand-up comedy was literally illegal until 1994. That was so not mm. that long ago. That yeah. was very close to now. Right. And that was a period of time, like, we thought that it was okay. Well, I guess we didn't think it was okay. We, we, we did everything we could to try to make apartheid uh, stop. One of the main things that held up apartheid was not being able to say how you feel and not being able to date who you want and not being able to marry or fuck who you want. And that's, it is, it's all rolled together. And it it is, but America's
0: supposed to be different. We have a constitution. We have the first amendment.
1: We believe that all forms of it.
0: Well, but all forms of expression, whether it be art, film, news, media, comedy, or porn, they're supposed to be protected. But slowly we see these protections eroding. And the sad part is it's not just right or just left. It's both sides of the political aisle on the left. You got the woke police on the right. You got people telling them what they can do or what they can do with their bodies. So what's going on with the country and how do you think we can turn this around?
1: I mean, I, I, you know, I'm trying to get dual citizenship in Italy. I don't know that we're turning this thing around, man. I don't think that we like I didn't think we could go backwards on the bus and start ripping off things that uh, that we already uh, accomplished. Yeah. But the fact that we didn't even like and, and again, if you, you, know, you want to call it the the, the, um, the woke police, that side has not been looking at things that we've accomplished as up on the platter for yeah. things that could get uh, uh, decommissioned or whatever good yeah. words are. Um, and so we're, we're looking at the wrong stuff. Yeah. And and the right is going no everything everything that we always believed we're gonna we're gonna keep to it the things that we believed in 1855 and yeah. 1776 and 1492 we're just gonna hold on to that stuff yeah and we live a lot li- America lives this lie that always that has. People moved here for religious freedom but it wasn't about religious freedom it was where can I start my mob of this other religion that we're not really supporting where we live yeah. how do we do what another country is already doing but with a different set of ideals and that's all mm-hmm. we've done Yeah, it's this thing about police brutality we have a blind eye in the US to gun violence and police brutality and so what happens is we want to talk about those two things and then we either pretend like we don't know what the problem is or we pretend like the solu- that the solution is not Obvious, and we love living that lie because we don't it's really so, want to make.
0: And it's so obvious. It's so obvious. I hate to say it, and some of my gun-loving friends will hate me for this, but what Australia did is is the best solution. Done. Get rid and of them. There have to be laws getting weapons of war off the streets. Get rid of they them. Have and no then this place idea. there.
1: You know. You know what? And you know the thing that tries to hold up a lot of people. is this idea that like a that like a well-equipped militia could could like. Hmm. handle an army and it's like you're not doing it man no amount of guns are going to stop drones from ending your house like there's no matter what thing you can buy the government's got something bigger no matter what it's that idea it's like you know no matter how big a guy is there's always a bigger guy like this idea
0: police departments have have more tools now that they've gotten from the defense department than you
1: could ever have right and dawned on me recently that police have never been here for the citizens. Police are are the military of local government, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and until we understand that, luckily for most of my life, I haven't had a, to be in many situations where I had to call the cops. But when I was twenty, I had to be in a situation where I had to call the cops, thinking that oh, the police are here to protect me. And what I found immediately was they're here to intensify the situation that exists and, or put me in a situation as a citizen where I no longer have rights to protect myself. That's it. Hmm. There's no like call the cops. Cause they're going to help the citizen. It's mm-hmm. take a citizen off the streets or say that it isn't their responsibility. Those are the only two options. Hmm. And I find that horrible. I think there's a joke here, but I can't figure it out the idea that like, <laughs> if you watch like if you if you, if you don't believe that police brutality exists, just watch any episode of cops. Oh yeah. Every episode of cops is like the cops. Uh, like so the last one I watched was a guy got caught in the fence running from the cops and then they made fun of him for 20 minutes hmm. without helping him. I'm not on confident that like his leg is like permanently injured because he got his All leg right. caught in the fence and they just, they told him he shouldn't have ran rather than helped him.
0: Nice. And that's low key
1: police brutality. And, and, oh, yeah, and they're supposed to,
0: they're supposed to give medical aid if someone's injured. Right. And I, I've seen tape of people dying while right. they were supposed to give medical aid.
1: Knock a guy down and then yell at him for making you push him down. It's high key bullying and low key police brutality or vice versa.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to think that not all police play that way. I've seen instances where, Police have assisted. And I also have friends who have been police. Some of the most prejudiced people that I know, that'll tell you. And they're all I'm not- far right wing. But at the same time, I do think there are some dedicated people in the police
1: force. Sure. And I appreciate the political thing. And I'll remove that like that like I'm. Um- <laughs> And I'm not saying I'm against cops. I'm saying if you watch the show cops, I didn't name it. If you watch the show cops, every episode is some form okay. of bullying. I'm sure being so on the road, you've no, seen your no share political. of uh,
0: episodes. Yeah,
1: no, <laughs> and This is no political. I'm not putting any political anything okay. on it. I'm just telling you, if you watch the show, it is very clearly, if you had to like, if you had to like explain to a child what bullying is, you would just throw on an episode of cops and yeah. maybe there. And I'm sure, I'm sure cops are doing great things, but I don't know what they filmed, uh, but the show is a pretty, pretty clear case of uh, bullying.
0: Indeed. It's been a while, but the, the ones I've seen, I will agree with you. So let's go back to comedy for a second. Who are some of your role models in comedy, both past and present? It's
1: hard, man. It's really hard to say because it's like when you don't know what something is, right? I don't have a good example. So I've, never, I've never been, I've never been, I've never figured out how to, how to say what I want to say. But if you don't have a good example of the thing because you're brand new, like I'm, I'm a, I, I've never done comedy. When you're a kid, you don't think George Carlin is fantastic. You don't understand comedy, right? right? Like just like people that don't understand comedy, like they loved Dane Cook because it wasn't really proficient comedy. It was fun and entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's like the, it's like the pad tie it's oh, a perfect example. It's like the pad tie of comedy dan cook everybody <laughs> loves it everybody loves it and it's not it's not difficult it's not uh culinarily challenging right and so right. you start off loving pad thai and you know eventually you move on to red curry and mm-hmm. pad cu and it's just the, the whole thing you do, need,
0: you do need do need to come to thailand if for no yes. other reason to eat the yes. real stuff
1: Yes, and that's my point. It's a that's why it's a good example. It's like it's like brisket too. Brisket for oh, and the, that food don't like brisket.
0: the food too. By the way,
1: <laughs> yes. Well, well uh, listen, I'm on my way, so make room on your couch. So, hey man, but the, absolutely. But the absolutely. thing is,
0: would love to hang
1: out when you don't have any information to inform you. You think that bad things are good. So I started liking bad comedy, and I'm embarrassed uh, by who I liked, but who I like now are good comedians. Okay, uh, so people, so who impresses you?
0: Who impresses you today? Nate
1: Bargatze, Sorry? Tim Dillon, Bill Burr. Some of these are you know oh it's an obvious choice, but Drew Michael. These are all people that are and that are challenging the art form. Tim Dillon has figured out how to have the right and the left like him for different reasons, and I think that's brilliant, mm-hmm. especially right now because right now you have to pick a side, and that's what people are doing. You don't already have an established fan base. Now that we're so far apart on the left and right thing, you have to pick a side and then just try to like eat whatever's left, you know? And Tim Dillon has Mm -hmm. figured out that like the right doesn't understand what he's doing. So they take him literally Mm -hmm. and the left understands what he's doing. And so they take him as, as satire and maybe Mm -hmm. he's neither, but both like him and they both like him for different reasons. And that's brilliant. So the yeah, left I, thinks that he's, that he's like saying things that he mm-hmm, means the opposite, mm-hmm. and the right thinks he means it because he means it.
0: I've heard some really good political comedy over the years, and I watch Bill Maher every week, and, and I think he's still brilliant, although he does rub me the wrong way about a lot of things, especially some of his views on COVID and down-talking people who are overweight like myself. I, don't um, think,
1: I also don't think he's pro-sex work. No, he isn't. No,
0: no, he is not. I think he's he kind of
1: not. a slut shamer.
0: Yeah, he is. John, John Oliver is a lot more open. In fact, he did an episode. I don't know if you saw the episode that John Oliver did on, uh, on sex work, and it was no. brilliant. Well, no, his, his, his show was brilliant, though. I mean, son, everything. Minaj,
1: before he got canceled, had a really good show that 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 hit the, uh, the other side of a lot of things that I never understood. Uh, he mm-hmm. did such a good job. I don't know if he touched it in there, but anybody who's doing stuff about sex work, I'm for that. And uh, yeah. this is a good question. Who's the most sex positive late night show host?
0: Either Colbert or Trevor Noah, probably. But but those are the two that I've probably watched the most. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't been watching late night comedy just like I haven't been watching news because yeah. ever since January sixth, I've really been avoiding U.S. politics. Oh I'm God. just so disgusted by everything. Yeah. You know, who you I, love? I scan I scan the New York Times. I watch Mar and I watch Oliver, and I get little bits and pieces there. But other than that. I've just kind of put my head in the sand because it's so disgusting. It's
1: fair. Who, you know who I think you'll love. Hmm. Um, cause they, cause they, they, they add a little, um, uh, lightness to the, to the problem is the good liars. It's a guy I went to college with and mm. he got a partner and they, they're, they're three movies deep and I, they're, you know, they're, they're on various platforms and various levels of actually being invested in. But, so they're under the radar a little bit, but they, they basically go to these rallies and they troll the people. And so mm. they'll go to the, they'll go to the January oh, 6th yeah. reunion yeah. and yeah. they'll be like, what is, what are you guys talking about? And they'll, and the, these, these people will be like, oh, uh, we're celebrating January 6th and they go, oh, were you there? And then they go, no, that was Antifa dressed as us. And we're like, what? And so, and they do such a good job of walking the line of being like, I'm interviewing you, but also exposing that you're absurd. I'm trying um, to think of the
0: guy who used to be on the Daily Show, but he's got his own show on Comedy Central now, and he does that stuff all the time. That's pretty much his stick is to like yeah. go to Trump Trump rallies.
1: Um, is he does he have his own show?
0: Yeah, he well he was did. The guy who's
1: really good at that white guy, weird hair. Yeah. I didn't know he had his own show.
0: I don't know if he has weird hair. He's p- pretty normal hair. But anyway, this guy used to be on the daily <laughs> He used to be he used to be on the daily show. And uh and he's got his own bit, and that's pretty much his shtick is going to go yeah. like to Trump rallies and asking questions and going, oh yeah, I agree. Oh, definitely. And then he'll say something, and the person who's obviously a complete utter moron will look at him. Yeah. And he doesn't know if he's being Insulted or what? And he's definitely right. being insulted. Right. So I wish I could think of his name, but I, I can't think of it right now. And he's, he's I think very, I know what very, you're
1: talking about, but uh, I'm trying to figure, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm on the website. Yeah, and and I'm he was, and he, he was one of show. Trevor
0: Noah's lieutenants who, who did a lot of uh, that stuff. And then they, then yeah. they, they, he had his own, his own gig.
1: So, you know, he had his own show.
0: So you went from comedy to acting or acting to comedy?
1: Really, what happened was not a lot of money in comedy. So you go. What else can I do? And you know, to mm-hmm. be a good comedian, you got to be able to do a myriad of things. And one of those things, obviously, is that you got to be able to sell what your jokes are. So Correct. I had an opportunity to do. Um, honestly, most of the stuff you read off mm-hmm. is like stuff that I did as a comedian or some level of like, yeah, Klepper. That's his name, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Thank Klepper. You.
0: Jordan uh, Klepper. Yeah, like,
1: I didn't get his own show. That's fantastic. He is good. Yeah. Same vibe, except he comes at it like he's. So that's a perfect example. We talked about before. It's like, he's mm-hmm. not afraid of violence. He's going to say what he means. Yeah. And it's funny. And yeah. it, it seems like he should be getting punched in the face more. And I do think he has weird hair. Absolutely. But as a comedian, um, I realize that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, and it's, and I wish I came in this business with a better business sense, but it's like the amount of people that want to go to comedy clubs and the amount of people that want to see comedy is very mm-hmm. limited. Whereas, I think it's look at the numbers. I think it's like it's like six point four million or something. Something. Um, I just put it in a business plan, and um, mm-hmm. the people that want to like watch movies is way more. Mm. So you're like, okay, I guess I guess I should do that. That seems that seems more important. But uh, most of the shows I was on, I was trying to either be a comedian, be funny, or get no, you know like noticed for being a comedian, so that the fame that I would get elsewhere would then. Um, put me in a position to do more comedy. That's really sure. what it is. Sure. Um, so that's really what it comes down to.
0: What attributes that you 17 have million. as a comic? There's- Sorry?
1: 17 million. I just looked it up on my business. Oh. 17 million people visit comedy clubs a year. Trish, out, out of, what do we have? 380 million in the US? 17 mm. million.
0: I used to go all the time when I lived there, and, so, and it's a
1: small it really is a small sect of people, and it's like well
0: yeah, I got a lot of free tickets because I worked yeah. in radio <laughs> yeah,
1: they're trying to keep, and they're trying to keep you yeah, they're trying to bring you there but well um,
0: yeah, well also because I worked in radio, so even the ones that wouldn't normally be free, I always got free tickets yeah. i- can't, I don't think I've ever paid to go to a comedy club Hilarious. yeah, no, I don't think I ever have I was
1: and i've never paid for my porn okay i'm just kidding um (laughs) i i I was
0: in radio 21 (laughs) years so yeah yeah. yeah.
1: so so what
0: attributes that you have as a comic help you as an actor
1: we love to hang on to this thing we go we go bill burr says it on 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 interviews uh we've said it about robin Williams. we love this idea as comedians that like you can't teach comedy um Mm -hmm. and so being funny is like more important so it's like Uh, but at the same time, like you can obviously write something funny and the actor can deliver it because they're an empty vessel, right? So they can mm-hmm. just be funny for that moment. But yeah. you can't teach comedy, uh, but you can keep, teach somebody how to act or be like dramatic. So we we hang on mm-hmm. to this idea, uh, whether it's true or not. And yeah. so the idea that like a, a comedian makes a better dramatic actor long term mm-hmm. um, might be true, you know. And, and mm-hmm. as a comedian, what you do need to do is you need to have empathy. You need to understand how to dive into – um like a character maybe Mm. in your story and you have to figure out point of view and you have to figure out how you know a myriad of people feel right in a particular situation so we're more in touch with our feelings we're more in touch with like we're like we're people watchers right Mm -hmm. um we comedians a lot of times are good um impersonators Mm -hmm. so there is an element of like how do i understand humans more, which is a good thing. I think good actors can do that too, right? You have to understand how somebody would would react or be in a situation. And for comedians, it's kind of like, it's like our obsession. It's our unconscious obsession.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Makes sense. You know,
0: you mentioned Robin Williams, you know, Robin, Billy Crystal, some some of the other greats. Do any of those have an impact on on your style?
1: Sure. So, my style honestly was like a combination of um, like Wendy Liebman. And then probably Bill Cosby and Bill Cosby is a great, but it's hard because mm-hmm. now you're like all my idols from the eighties have a, have a court case now, you know? And so you're in this, you're in this spot where you're like, cool. Do yeah, I when say-, you say,
0: yeah, when you say Bill Cosby now, it's not like when you said Bill Cosby 15 years ago.
1: Right. Right. And, and yeah, it's a, and it's a, it's a really bad word and it's tough. And then it also, it's a question you have inside yourself. You're like, how come everybody I liked as a child um, was a pervert what does that say about me and, and for me maybe that maybe that informs why i have the podcast right miles literally Wee herman michael jackson bill cosby so it's like what's going on with me <laughs> um so i always liked that bill cosby didn't laugh at his own jokes so when i started doing comedy i was doing that and then the yeah. more i do comedy like i said like i'm not eating pad thai anymore i watch a comedian laugh at his own jokes and find that that is a useful mechanism for comedy and you know, and then, uh, and then Wendy Liebman was big with like wordplay and, yeah. uh, and, and all of the female comedians that came after honestly were, she was one of the best who never kind of made it. And everybody hmm. kind of ripped off her. Uh, I, only, I, gonna say I only
0: know, I know her name. I can't say I've seen her act.
1: Right. Because, and then somewhere in the middle of when she was about, to, when she was getting big, she stopped and had a family and that's admirable and that's great. And that's all the things, but for whatever judgment you want to say, it hurt her career sure. uh, by taking a break. You can't take a break from the thing you're great at. You can't go play baseball when mm-hmm. you're the greatest basketball player of all time. You can't do it. <laughs> you have to stay in your lane and win championships. And yeah. so yeah, my favorite that, comedian- you know Michael, Michael won another title though. My favorite comedian quit comedy for a little while. And she did it for the way well, he only, he was only gone for like 18 months. She yeah. was gone for like 10 years, maybe maybe wow. 18 years, I don't know.
0: That's a long time. That's a you know, that's a that's a really, really long time. One of my favorite comics uh, was Sam Kennison.
1: and that's a good example. I don't know uh, where where I know I got cut off here. I don't know where I got cut off, so I'm gonna reiterate my my point. Sam Kennison, Belushi hartman what does it say about my industry that that so many of our greats like died in tragic horrible ways you're talking murder suicide drug overdoses crazy awful things what does it say about my industry like people like play baseball are not dying of murder suicide and like fentanyl overdoses you know what i mean and or just regular old school heroin overdoses Uh, i am working in an industry that is driving people to do extraordinary things Um, yeah that's and that's what we live amongst is is those types of people in those types of environments so that's the you know that's the industry so sam kennison's like kind of not necessarily before my time but more like he was before everyone's time because he was five minutes yeah he was five minutes um mitch hedberg was five minutes right that's all they Mm -hmm. had they were on they were they were misunderstood geniuses yeah and lenny bruce lenny bruce And well, Lenny Bruce is uh, I put Lenny Bruce at the the threshold of like Playboy, Hustler, all those things. He was the first person challenging um, our our way of understanding and and obscenity. We took it to the Supreme Court. We know those things, honestly. And I hate to say this, but like a a good portion of Lenny Bruce's career, he wasn't funny. He was just reading police reports because he was pissed off, you know, Mm -hmm. and even Carlin, you know, understood as one of the geniuses. If you look at his sets. Like 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 beat for beat, laugh for laugh. He's not getting laughs. He's more doing lists and saying rhyming couplets and all these things so he can chunk through heavy material to get to his point. And right. it's like we got to have these bigger discussions. What's more important is like changing the game or just getting a lot of laughs. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's like Jeff Dunham gets cheap laughs and he goes and he cashes the checks. Larry the Cable Guy cashes checks. Man, he's he makes <laughs> the most money. And it's like, should we be mad at that? I don't know.
0: No, you know, it's kind of like he's he's kind of like the Kenny G of comedy. I really like jazz, that's so funny. Um, but Kenny G holds notes, and I have uh, I have a lot of friends in in the jazz business, and I think a lot of them are are really resentful of Kenny G, yeah, because he makes so much money and he's not as talented as they are. Well, that's but and that's and he has got a our-
1: stick. That's the artist struggle man do you want to be do you get categorized and just be the thing and then you just collect checks or yeah. do you change the game and you do you evolve So it's that and that's the artist struggle. Do you want to make money or do you want to have integrity? And that's it. You don't this the crossroads. You can't do anything else. And it's like brisket. It's just like brisket. And I like using this a lot because I love barbecue. And good (laughs) brisket has a lot of fat on it, but most people don't want to eat the fat because they don't understand what fat is or how it works metabolically. And there's a bad word around fat. So you have to make your brisket be shitty if you want to sell a lot of it. So do you (laughs) want to make brisket for 13 hours and sell it to two people, or do you want to sell the fuck? out of brisket and the interest you want to sell the fuck out of brisket so you hold notes or whatever the kenny g jazz thing is that he's doing (laughs) wrong that
0: makes total sense so finally i noticed in your bio that you're a dog lover like myself yeah uh we have six by the way
1: no what how does that work
0: it doesn't um (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing we've kept them quiet for this long uh muzzles come in handy there's so many homeless dogs here, and we've we've adopted so many from. And you have
1: enough places to put them? Uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> What's your you dog come- you're, like, you're like, yeah, they, they're like, well, I got a California King, so I can sleep with my 19 dogs.
0: <laughs> uh, I leave that to the wife, anyway. So you're quite involved in animal charities. Talk a little yeah. bit about animal rights and the plight of <sighs> animals in the world.
1: Tough man. It's like it's taken a hit because in-person stuff uh yeah. took a hit and then after that it's like i don't like the, the the big place that i was involved in they were you know they were like they became the uh the, one of the big things they were doing a um vet clinic So right. in person you show up and you get low price shots you can get spay and neutering for cheap to no money and also a lot of those things got kind of pulled away because it's like yeah we barely care about people right now. So the last, so then like governmentally, we don't care about animals. Unfortunately, you know, so that's where we're at. It's like animals are the first thing to kind of get pulled away from. Um, And that's really frustrating. And I'm a single dog dad. I have. And and by that, I mean, I'm, I'm single and I have a dog, but also I only have one dog, which it's kind of like Cosby used to say it about parents. It's like, if you only have one, if you only have one kid, you're not really a parent. Um, (laughs) If you have one kid in the house and somebody, and something's broken, you know, who broke it. Um, and that like takes like the all of the struggle out of parenting. And so I've only ever had one dog, and she's obsessed with me, and I'm obsessed with her. Um, That's sweet. So I don't really know what it would be like to have six dogs. I don't know if I would be a good. Um, I, I don't know
0: that. I don't know that you want to. <laughs> I don't. And I don't know if
1: I'd be a good animal parent to six dogs. I don't know if I have um, the bandwidth. You know, and it's a I have to work. say that
0: it's a lot of um, work. Like I said, the wife helps a lot.
1: Yeah, but I do want a farm. I want all the things. I want all the animals. So I think there's a part of me that can do it. I actually do think other than the things I've said, I think we're at a good place in animal welfare because we don't live in a society anymore over here in the U S that uh, puts dogs outside and just expects them to like fend for themselves. And that's yeah. a small win or a big yeah. win, but it's a win. Here. It used to be this idea. You just put your dog yeah. outside. And if they freeze to death, you go off, uh, screw it. It's a dog. What are you going to do? Yeah.
0: Here it's a little bit. It's a little bit different. Sadly, we do have to have two our two puppies outside because otherwise, uh, uh, one of our dogs will kill them. Um, Holy crap! But, but the weather's but the weather's yeah. really pretty good out here, and they they have ways of staying cool, so it's good. Well, let me tell but-
1: you what's happened here as a as a byproduct of this thing is that dogs, because they have no tasks anymore, dogs used to be things like, we created dogs to be obedient creatures, uh, you know, whether you, like, like uh, people will get uh, offended by this, but like, that's what they are. Is are not yeah. my words? It's like, it's like, I shoot a duck. You go get the duck. You bring it back to me. That's what we made them mm-hmm. for. That's what we bred right. them to do. Right. And so we don't yeah. have that anymore over here. So what we have is you, you let you, you go in my purse and you watch me fuck and you hope that you're next. That's what we have. We've created <laughs> that. That's the byproduct of what we've done. My dog thinks she's my wife or she's going to, or she's next. <laughs> she thinks she's going to marry me. That's what she feels because I, we did, we're doing something wrong. Yeah. I don't make her go get stuff out of, you know, it's like I could teach her to like open the fridge and get me a beer. Right. But I don't, we just hang out yeah. together and watch Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. We love you know, our dogs. We love our dogs girlfriend. and
0: we, yeah, we treat them. We treat them like our babies too. So I get it. I, I dogs complete. are
1: confused. They don't know. They don't understand what they're supposed to do now. They're like, I, am I, my entire genetic, <laughs> yeah. My entire genetic vibe is, is to, is to be your obedient creature and you're not asking me to do shit. They're here to sleep (laughs) and they
0: do it and they do it extremely well. So good. Well, Dan, this has been a pleasure. I really want to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon.
1: Yeah. And I hope we got this one too.
0: (laughs) I hope so. My broker tip today is part four of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Trademark your site. Having a trademark instantly protects your brand and makes your site more valuable when it comes time to sell it. Trademarking your site will cost an average of about $1,500, but should be worth more than the investment when it comes time to sell it. Show buyers ways you feel the site can make more money in the future. This includes showing them future plans you may have, traffic trends, as well as sales trends. If things are growing and you can show them how to grow it more, they're likely to be willing to pay more for the site. Do something unique with your site. If you have competitors, figure a way to do it better. Be different in some distinguishable way that makes you better. Your members will notice and spend more money with you. Make your site a place that people want to visit, not just to buy things or view porn. Be creative, not just one of many. Keep thinking outside the box and make positive changes to your site. Think like a buyer when planning or updating your site. Don't think like a tech. Think Like the Consumer. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be speaking with performer Coraline Jewell. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Dan Frigolette. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.